This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Good morning, everybody. I pray you are doing well. I've missed you. I've been out of this building for a couple of weeks, and it's been, uh, well, just terrible that I've missed you guys. Um, last week, I had an amazing opportunity. My, my youngest son, Gabe, is in PA school, and uh, had his white coat ceremony last Saturday, so we got to be there in Tennessee for that. Although we had to watch it on TV, we couldn't actually be in person at the graduation, but it was good to be with them. And now he spends another year in clinicals, clinical rotations, and then he'll be practicing after that. But it was, it was amazing to be there. And I got to watch you guys on, online uh, on Sunday morning. And I'll tell you what, Wayne brought a word from God. Amen. And uh, I pray that, yeah, you can, you can give me a hand. I pray that you were hearing, you were listening, and the Holy Spirit was working in your spirits and hearts. Amen. You know, as a church, we, we, we love to celebrate the Christmas season. I mean, this is, we're remembering what God did through his son, Jesus Christ. That God sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I mean, that, that's good news of great joy, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, I, I don't think you're really convinced of that because it sounds like, I'm going to say that again. That's good news of great joy, isn't it? Yeah. Amen. It is. That we have salvation through Jesus Christ. On that very first Christmas 2,000 years ago, all of heaven celebrated. All of heaven celebrated. And we want to be sure to join in with all of heaven in celebrating the good news that Jesus Christ has come. You know, when you study Old uh, the festivals and celebrations in the Old Testament, what you discover is that God actually commanded his people to celebrate. So if you wonder, you know, why, why we, get to, we come to church and we, and we raise our hands in worship and, you know, we, we sing songs, why do, like, it sounds like it's, it does, it's not, it's like you don't really do this anywhere else where you gather like this and you lift your hands in worship and you sing songs because it just, it seems... Like, you might wonder, why do we do that? Well, we are commanded to celebrate and to worship because of what God has done through Jesus Christ, his son. And so there's these annual celebrations that they would have. People would get together. They spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money, just thanking God, thanking God for the rescue Thank you, God, for the deliverance. Thanking, thanking God for the healing that they have received through Jesus Christ. And that's why we celebrate. So how much more should we, those of us who are, are on this side of Christmas, those of us who have been recipients of the grace of Jesus Christ, how much more should we also be celebrating? In fact, I want to encourage you to be here Thursday. As Pastor Wayne mentioned, we have three services on Thursday for Christmas Eve. It's going to be a wonderful celebration. You're not going to want to miss it. There's going to be a, funny, a few funny moments throughout as well. So you really want to be here. If you want to see me embarrassed in any way, you can. I just <laughs> encourage you to be here on that. You don't want to miss it. <clears throat> Today, we live on this side of Christmas. What I mean by that is that Christmas happened 2,000 years ago, right? And so we live on this side of Christmas. We benefit from the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what was it like before then? I mean, we could read it historically through the Bible, but what was it like before Christmas? 
What was it like on the other side of Christmas? You know, as a culture, we like before and after stories. Some of you probably watched some of these TV shows, right? Where there's, it's like a before and after. Uh, they, have, they have all kinds of TV shows. They have some that are like a home makeover. There used to be, I, I think I remember a long time ago there being one where you, 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 just, you just didn't have a very good wardrobe. And so you'd go in and they, they would just, uh, they'd make you over and, and then you would show yourself to your family. And you're like, whoa, look at you. You could actually dress, you know? And um, there's weight loss, you know, before and after type shows. There's, again, home makeovers. The ones that I watch typically are the home makeover ones. Get a, get, a lot, get a lot of good ideas of, you know, how to remodel your home and stuff like that. If you like watching those shows, probably you don't really need to actually watch the entire show. You can, v, you can DVR it and then just watch the last three minutes because that's really the most important part of the show. It's in, it's in the last three minutes where they basically recap and they'll do like a split screen where you'll see the before and the after, right? And they'll talk and they'll show the before and generally it's like the worst part of the home or it's the worst part of a person's, you know, physique or whatever. It'll show that part and then it'll show the, the after part and, and they're celebrating the after. What it was before and now what it is now. And in many ways, that's what we're doing when we, pre- when we prepare for Christmas, We're celebrating what was before and what we have now through Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we celebrate is freedom from bondage, freedom from slavery. Now, you may say, "Eh, that's not me, but that's really what Jesus came to do. He came to set us free. So to really understand, to really understand this idea of slavery to freedom, we have to understand the culture at the time in which Jesus came in, you know, into this world. When Jesus was born, the people of God were under Roman occupation. In many ways, they were slaves. They were living in their own land, but they were slaves. They didn't have all the rights. They had some minimal rights. The Romans allowed them to have just to have some measure of peace. But for the most part, the law of the land was a Roman law. And they lived as slaves. They longed for God to show up and deliver them from this Roman occupation. That's the world that Jesus was born into. And so God's people had been waiting and waiting. In fact, they had been waiting 400 years for deliverance. When you read your Bible, if you, you go to the Old Testament, by the way, there's a card here. This is for you to take. This is crazy staff that we have. Anyway, when you read your Bible, you'll see, you'll see that there's, uh, you, you look at the, the Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi. And then the New Testament begins with the book of Matthew. In your Bible, it's probably just a flip of a page. That's all it is. But do you realize that between the end of Malachi and the beginning of Matthew, it was 400 years? In fact, it's often called it's often, that, that 400 year period is often called a, this, a period of silence. They had been waiting for God to speak. There, no prophet has showed up. It had been 400 years that they were waiting for God to show up, to, to, to say something, to deliver them from this occupation that they, were, that they were in. And so one of the ways that they would encourage us, and one of the ways that they would keep hope alive is that they would have these annual celebrations. And specifically, they would have the celebration of Passover. 
This is a story of the deliverance of, of the people of Egypt from, I mean, the people of God from, from Egypt. When, you know, if you, if you remember that story, right? Moses, the Exodus, and all of that. And so they're in slavery, slavery in Egypt, and Moses comes along and he sets them free. He delivers them. You know the whole story. Now remember this, they had been 400 years, does that sound familiar? 400 years as slaves in Egypt. And so there's these parallels between the coming of the Messiah and the deliverance of the people of God from Egypt and slavery. And so, Jesus, so Moses comes along, and again, you know the story, there was the 10 plagues, there was the parting of the Red Sea, there was the, the giving of the 10 commandments, there was the, the, the walls of Jericho that came down, you know all of this. These people, during the time between Malachi and Matthew, the way they kept, kept hope alive is by celebrating the Passover. And what they would do is they would read the, the story of the deliverance that happened back then, Okay? One of the verses that they would read would be Deuteronomy 18, verses 17 through 19. And this is what it says. <clears throat> and they would do this every single year. They do this to remind themselves, to remind their children of how God had set the, the people of, of God free. And he had done it before, and he could and he would do it in the future. It says this. The Lord said to me, this is Moses talking, I will raise up for them a prophet like you, like Moses, from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. He's going to raise up a prophet that's like Moses. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. And so as they're celebrating this Passover, they read this verse that talks about another prophet who is to come, who is like Moses. And this prophet, like Moses, is going to set the people free. And so ever since this time, they have been waiting for this prophet, this Messiah. In fact, if you read in the New Testament, you'll find several times where when they talk about Jesus, they say, is he the one? They were asking the question, is he the one that's coming? This is what they're talking about. The one who is like Moses, is he the one? So the question for us to think about is, how are Moses and Jesus alike? Maybe you've never even considered that. But there's some power in this, in this association between the two. I mean, since it's Christmas, just think about their birth. Both Moses and Jesus were born in a, into a world that was, that was not their own world. They were born into oppression. They were born into slavery. And more specifically, both Moses and Jesus were born when the king had decreed that all the little children, all the baby boys needed to be killed. Pharaoh decreed that in Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, and, Moses and Herod uh, decreed that in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. In fact, if I were to start this message this week and I were to say something like, today we're going to talk about someone who a king tried to kill, whose crib was made out of grass, who came and established a new covenant with God, and came to set the people free. You might not know who exactly I'm talking about. I may be talking about Moses. Or I might be talking about Jesus. There's a parallel between the two. And so people had been looking for this prophet. Who would come and set them free. Like Moses. And so then you have Jesus who comes in on the scene. In Luke chapter 4 there's this really cool passage. In fact it's one of the first recorded sermons of Jesus. Uh, he probably preached other sermons prior to this. 
but it's one of the first that's recorded for us to read in Luke chapter 4. And it's really cool because he goes into the synagogue and he's sitting in the synagogue and the synagogue leader says, hey, we want you to speak. Stand up and speak. He's a rabbi. They're recognizing him as a rabbi. They want him to say something. And so he stands up and they, they grab the scroll and they hand him the scroll. Jesus looks at the scroll and he smiles to himself because he knows it's the scroll of Isaiah. And Isaiah is all about the Messiah. Written 700 years before. Jesus looks at him and he says, yeah, this guy, he prophesied about, my vir- about the virgin birth. He prophesied about John the Baptist. He prophesied about the miracles that the Messiah would perform. He, proph- he even prophesied that this Messiah would be beaten and spit upon. He knows what he's going to read, and so he turns into the scroll, and he goes to a portion which for us today would be Isaiah 61, and this is what he reads in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives, that captives will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is what Jesus reads. Now, this is not the first time that this passage has been read in the synagogue. Many rabbis in the past have read this passage. And typically when a rabbi would read that passage or any passage, they would then comment. They would then say, who is me in this story? Like a rabbi would stand up and say, this is talking about the coming of the Messiah. But this is not what Jesus does. Look what it says. Look what Jesus does. Verse 20. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. (laughs) And the people were like, wait, is that it? That's a short sermon. Come on, Jesus. Is there more you have to say? Are we done here? Are we getting ready? In fact, you need to say something because it sounds like what you're saying is about you. You need to say something. Look what it says. It says, all eyes, verse 20 and 21, all eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Like there's, there's this awkward silence. Then he began to speak to them. And he speaks to them this one sentence, but it's a sentence that they have been waiting to hear all their lives. He says, the scripture you have just heard, what I just read, the scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Like right now. Like right now, as you're looking at me, this has been fulfilled. It's happening right now now and they're kind of they're, they're, they're in awe like how can this be I mean isn't this a carpenter's son this is not how we expected it to be but here's what, what you have you have Jesus who is like Moses right Moses comes to set the people free from physical bondage and in, in, in slavery in Egypt Jesus comes to set people free from spiritual bondage as slaves to sin let me put it this way Moses stands before Pharaoh and he says let my people go Jesus stands before sin and death. And he says, let my people go. 
Amen. Jesus stands, I mean, I gotta say it because there's only a few. Jesus stands before sin and death. And he says, let them go. That's the significance of Christmas. That's the significance of Christmas. That you have been set free, not from, from human slavery or physical bondage. Yes, some of that too. But you've been set free from sin and death. I like how Romans 8, 2 is paraphrased in the message. It says, freeing you from a fated lifetime. Do you realize that you were fated? That that was your destiny because of sin in this world? That your destiny was to live in bondage your entire life? But we have been freed from a fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Are you thankful that you've been set free? See, I think the challenge for some of us, though, is that we, we don't like that, la- that language, slave to sin. Most of us don't identify with that, right? Like, you never really start off a conversation with somebody and say, hey, you know, I'm a slave to sin. It doesn't roll off the mouth very well, off the tongue very well, right? It seems a little bit harsh. We, we prefer things like, I'm, I have a struggle. You know, or, I, you know, I'm just kind of b- battling right now with something. That's, just, that's the language that we prefer. We don't like the idea of being associated as slaves to sin. And because we don't really recognize that, and because we really don't fully understand that we have been slaves to sin, sometimes we can't appreciate what Jesus came and did. It's why sometimes Christmas comes and goes and it's just more about the commercialization of Christmas. It's more about just gift giving and making sure that you have presents under the tree and that's all. And we don't really fully, fully realize that we have been set free because of Christmas. Do you get that? And so to help us a little bit to try to, uh, try to recognize this slavery that we're in. I'm just going to give us a few signs that help us see that we were once, at least once, or maybe are, slaves to sin. One of the ways that we, we know that we are slaves to sin is that we keep doing it despite negative consequences. Like you know that your pride has really, like when you were younger, you, you didn't fully realize that your pride was destroying you, but now that you're older, and you look back and you realize, yeah, it's because of this, because of that. But you still keep doing it, right? Or your lust and greed, you know it's destroyed your family. You know it's hurt your family in a bad way. When you were younger, you didn't realize it. But now that you're older, you know how it has. But you just keep doing it. It's kind of like eBay, you know. Uh, it's not exactly like eBay, but this is my, my, my understanding of it. Um, you know, eBay is that auctioning kind of thing, you know, where you can... You see something come up and you want to bid, and for me, it's a 1965 GTO, and I see it, and it says eight, the opening bid is 800 bucks, and I'm thinking, man, I need a bid on that. I mean, it would be poor stewardship not to bid on that, right? Like, I really need to bid on that car. And so I put a bid in, you know, just slightly over the, the, the bid, the opening bid, and over time, the bid just gets grows and grows and it gets higher and higher. But you know, you keep doing it because you justify it because after all, your bid is just slightly higher than your previous bid. It's not like it's not going up. It's not you know, skyrocketing. It's just going little by little. You know, and you just keep doing it, keep doing it. And it keeps growing and keeps growing. And then at some point, the auction closes and you realize you won. 
And that's the good news. That's also the bad news because you just basically paid a whole lot more than what the actual vehicle was worth. And then to make things worse, you realize you don't even have the money to pay for it. So you pull out credit cards and you max out all your credit cards. You still don't have enough money. So you do what you shouldn't do. You go to your family members and your friends and you say, hey, can I borrow some money? And they're bothered by it. But you know, your impulsiveness and your, your desire to get this just brings your family into the picture. And next thing you know, you're, you know, you're, just, you're, just, you're just trapped by it. You have, to, you have to do this, right? And then, so you finally get enough money to pay for it. And in your mind, you're thinking, yeah. And you can still convince yourself. And yet, man... Once that 65 GTO is parked in my garage, it'll all be worth it. That's what you say to yourself, right? And so there's a scheduled date for when that's supposed to arrive, and you're waiting for it to arrive, and you know, it's weird. You haven't really received any phone calls about the delivery of this 65 GTO, you know, and, and uh, you know, you're just waiting for it to get there. You're so anxious that you decide you're going to go sit outside and wait on the front porch for that truck to pull up with your, your brand new, your, your 65 GTO, right? While you're sitting out there in the porch, you look to your right, you see a UPS box next to you, and you're like, hmm, I don't wonder about that. What is that? I, don't, I didn't order anything. So you open up the box, and what do you find inside this UPS box? A beautiful model car of a 65 GTO. It's even the same color of the one that you bought online. You start looking and you realize, whoa, the angles of the, the, angles of the photographs, the very precise wording of the, of the, bit, of the, of the language in the, in the auction, and you realize that you just bought yourself a model car. And that's what sin does. It promises us, it promises us something, but that's not what gets delivered, right? And for some people, they get to the end of their lives, and then they realize that what they've really been sold is just a cheap, snap-together model car. Imagine you go to bed that night disappointed, but you wake up the next morning, and then you see on eBay, oh, look, a 68 Chevelle. I think I'm going to bid on that. And that's slavery to sin. That's exactly what happens to us every single day when we're a slave to sin. We know it's damaging. We know it's destructive. But we just keep doing it over and over and over again. Another way you know that you're a slave to sin is you don't feel like yourself when you try to stop we become slaves of sin when our sinful desires start to feel like an identity. We say things like, I've wanted to do things differently, but I just can't. It's just the way I am. It's who I am. And we use identity words to talk about our, our actions, so our actions become who we are. And we feel like we're in this trap. We just can't get out of it. But this is what the Bible says in Romans 6. It says, once you were... Okay, this is identity language that Paul's using here. Once you were slaves of sin. Once you were slaves of sin. But now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given to you. Galatians 4, 7, Paul also says, Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own 
child. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to give us a brand new identity. That our actions, the, the, the things that we do are not what define us. It's what he has done for us. And it's us believing in him, trusting in him, following him that allows us to actually gain this new identity. Another way that we know that we're slaves of sin is that you work hard to keep it a secret. This is precisely how sin tries to, ens- tries to enslave you. It wants to convince you that the worst thing that can happen to you is for somebody else to find out about your sin. They can't find out. And the more you keep it a secret, the stronger the chains become around you. And you're just in bondage. When Jesus came, he came to offer forgiveness and grace so you don't have to be a slave to sin, so you don't have to live in darkness. And some of you know this very well. I know I've lived, I've, I've lived in this, where I came to this breaking point where I finally said, I just can't live like this anymore. I have to confess my sin. I have to just be truthful about who I am and where I'm, what I've been doing. And it's amazing. The very thing that I thought I was so afraid of, the very thing I thought was going to be the end of me, actually became what brought me true life. The chains came off, and I found true freedom because it comes to forgiveness and grace in Jesus Christ. Another way you know that you're a slave to sin is you turn to it to deal with it. This is easy to see in the realm of addiction, right? So someone struggles, say, for example, with alcoholism, and their alcoholism has destroyed their family, they've lost their marriage, they've lost their job, they've lost practically everything. And then how do they deal with that, that pressure? How do they deal with that, that struggle? How do they deal with, with all of the loss in their life? Well, they just go back to alcohol. Or maybe it's uh, you know, a spending problem, and your shopping has has cost you your family, it's cost you your future. You may have even lost your home, you may have lost you know, valuable possessions because of just a shopping habit. And how do you deal with the stress that you feel because of that, the loss that you have felt? Well, you just shop some more. This is, what's, this is truly the definition of slavery. You go to it to deal with it. Jesus came to set us free from that. And that, <clears throat> so that instead of returning to it, we can go to him and find grace and help in our time of need. Eventually, sin makes us a slave by just leaving us discouraged and hopeless. Right? You've tried, you've tried, you've tried, you're discouraged because even as I'm talking about this right now, some of you might be thinking, yeah, you're right, Rich. I'm in this crazy cycle. I'm in this craziness of, I don't want to do it. I just keep doing it. I just keep going back to it. It's what I use to, 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 to feel better temporarily, but then that feeling goes away. And you just don't believe anymore that you can ever even be forgiven. And you might sometimes even tell yourself, tomorrow will be a different, tomorrow I'll try harder, but then what happens is that this is what sin does, just flat out beats you up. There's a scene in, in Exodus chapter six. Moses is talking to the Israelites. The Israelites uh, they're not free from, 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 from captivity yet. They're still slaves in Egypt. And God, but they're super discouraged because Pharaoh has ramped up the workload 
against the slaves in Egypt. And, um, and they're super discouraged. And so Mo- Moses wants to speak courage into them. And this is what God says to Moses in verse 6. It says, I am the Lord. So God is first telling, he's first telling Moses, listen, remember who sent you. I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. But then look at verse 9. This is how the people respond to Moses. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, that God was going to free them from, from, from the slavery. But they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. And I fear that too often Christmas comes, Christmas goes, and this is exactly where we are. I mean, it's Christmas. It's great tidings of joy, of forgiveness, of true freedom, and yet you hear that and you hear all the wonderful singing that we'll have around the Christmas season and the amazing messages around Christmas. We'll just talk about them, about this freedom that we have, and you just convince yourself, but it's not for me. It's not for me. Even people around you might start saying, it's not for you. You just are convinced that, that Christmas isn't for you. But Jesus has come to set you free, to free the oppressed, to release the captives. And so if you feel beat up by sin this Christmas season, my prayer is that your life would become a before and after story. That today you have an opportunity to confess your sin before Jesus Christ. To ask for forgiveness and to see those chains fall. To be set free. I'm saying that. I hope you're hearing me when I'm saying this. Because I feel like I have to break through a tough shell that says, yeah, but it doesn't work. I've tried and tried and tried. It just doesn't work. But Jesus has come. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus has come to set you free. So be free. We're all stand. You know, because of Christmas, you don't have to be the same person that you were when you first walked in. We don't need to pretend. We don't have to play a part. You just simply say, Lord, here am I. Take me. Our Cedar Rapids campus, I just want you to know that Jesus has come to set you free. And my prayer for you is that your life will become a before and after story as well. And that there's some of you right now sitting there in that Double Tree Hotel that um, you need to accept Jesus Christ into your life. Pastor Jairus is going to come and he's going to close out the service there. But for those of us here, there was a time, <clears throat> there was a time that when I would talk about myself, I could say things like, yeah, I, I was broken. I was lost. I was addicted. I was a slave. But then Christmas happened. 
Yeah, Christmas happened 2,000 years ago, but Christmas can happen to you right now. Right now. That the birth of Jesus Christ, what happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born, that's not the end of the story. Throughout history and through all the centuries since then, millennia since then, there have been people that have had this, this awakening, this Christmas awakening, that what Jesus came to do that day 2,000 years ago is effective even today, right now, for me. So maybe that's where some of you are right now. You need Christmas to happen all brand new for you. So your eyes close and your, maybe your head's bowed a little bit so I, can, so I can look across the crowd and you're here this morning and you want to say, yeah, you know, Rich, you're speaking to me. My, I feel like this is the story of my life. I'm just in this cycle of just doing things over and over again. I'm just bound by sin. I'm a slave and I want to be free. Will you just raise your hand real quick? I just want to, I want to see it. You put it back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Several of you in here. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And what I'm going to do for all of us, I'm going to ask all of you, you can look at me now. What I'm going to ask us all to do is put our hands out like this. So I've been using this. This is something that's become very dear to me in the last several months. It's this posture. You know what this means for me? It means, God, I come and I need you. I need you. I need you. And there's some of you in this room that that's the posture you need. God, I need you. I need you. I need you. But what I love about this posture is that God fills it. He fills it with his presence and with his power. And so as we're praying, all of us in this room, let's just say, God, we need you. We need you. And those of you that raise your hand say, yeah, I'm, I, I need Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin and set me free. That's the same prayer. God, I need you to come and set me free, to pour your grace and your love into my life. Amen. Father, we just want to thank you, God for what you have done in this place and what you're doing in this place. God, there are people right now in this room, Father, that are saying, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you to set me free from this sin, this bondage, this slavery. Father, I want my life to be a before and after story. I was once lost, but now I am found. I was once bound, but now I am free. Jesus, set us free this morning, we pray. Set us free this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.